0: I want to thank your vestry and your rector, bishop, and uh, anybody else who uh, were in any way uh, part of me being invited. Uh, I have, in all the years that I've served in the diocese of Dallas, I have never been to this beautiful place. So uh, God continues to bless my ministry by giving me these kinds of opportunities and. Uh, uh, then also to see Chuck and Mary Lou is really a gift. I was telling them that uh, just recently I was in uh, Washington, D.C. visiting with the oldest boy who under Chuck's guidance and Mary Lou's uh, sustenance of Chuck so that he could do what he needed to do, <laughs> he became an Eagle Scout followed by his brother Todd, who was also an Eagle Scout. So uh, thank you again, Chuck, for that. It's really been a great part of their lives. So I was telling, reminiscing with them about those times and, and remembering how it was for me to uh, go camping with them in Kit Carson <laughs> National Park. And uh, uh, it was interesting to say the least. <laughs> Since the summer, we have been traveling with Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is different. Then Mark and Matthew, and John, well, John is, is out here someplace. And uh, why is that? It's because at one point, Luke says that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. He set his face towards Jerusalem, meaning he's going to travel from where he was to his death and betrayal and ultimate resurrection. So Luke tells us stories And as a matter of fact, some theologians have called Luke's stories a string of pearls because each one of them can stand on their own. But when they're put together, it brings about a story, a flow of those uh, types of events that Jesus tries to uh, teach us uh, in and with. So, we have been for the last three weeks talking about Jesus' responses to one particular question that was posed to him several weeks ago by the disciples. When will the kingdom be here? And he begins to explain several things. And then there's a kind of little break in the action. And Luke shows us that Jesus and Zacchaeus, as last week, if you stayed with that story. A lot of people went to All Saints, but if you stay with the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is a very um, unlikable kind of guy to begin with, and then on top of that, he becomes a dreaded tax collector. So not only he was difficult to get along with, but he was working for the IRS, imagine that. (laughs) Today's story, continues the journey, however, not Luke, but the committee that puts together our lectionary jumps several days and events and so on and so forth. And I want to cover those because if I don't tell you about them, today's gospel is not in context. Okay, so what happened between Zacchaeus and today? He's entered Jerusalem. It is past Palm Sunday. He's anguished over the future of Jerusalem. He has cleansed the temple, confronted the scribes and the priests in the temple, has foretold the lack of acceptance of himself by those in positions of power. And the scribes and the Pharisees again try to trick him with a question about should we pay taxes to Caesar? And now is another group's opportunity to trick him is the Sadducees' turn. Now, who are the Sadducees? The majority of the priests, high priests, and regular temple priests and the aristocrats were members of the Sadducees. They were the governing class. They were wealthy. They collaborated with Rome. They did not want to risk losing their status, their wealth, position, comfort, and place by going against Rome. So they supported Rome. They also only accepted the written word of the Torah, of the law of Moses. They didn't even accept the prophets. So it's just those original first books. And in those books, you find no angels, no spirits, and no resurrection. And so they attained to that belief. There were no angels, there was no spiritual world, and there was no resurrection. And also, they did not want the Messiah to come. Because if the Messiah came, things changed and it ruined their comfort. Mm -hmm. That is the group that now comes to address Jesus. And they come with a trick question. Fools that they are, they should have followed Jesus and realized that you cannot trick the man. Mm -hmm. They come with a question about marriage and death. And also, they quote the Levirate law of marriage that is found in Deuteronomy. It says, and I'm paraphrasing, I did not want to be flip-flopping in the Bible. It says, if a man dies childless, his brother must marry the widow and beget children to carry on the line. You remember grow and multiply in Genesis, right? Okay. And then also as outsiders, if you will, the Jews felt that they needed to grow their community. And that could only happen from within. They were not to marry outside. The Gentiles were not welcome. So they had to continue the line. That was one idea. The other idea is that for to have a child meant that your life and your line would continue. You would live life through your children. Mine have told me where to go do that. So this is what they bring to Jesus. In other words, comment about this law that we know it's in the books. Now, this practice was not likely uh, taking place at the time of Jesus. Things had changed somewhat, but it was in the Mosaic regulations. So Jesus gives an answer that has a a, a permanent truth in it. He says we must not think of heaven in terms of this life. Life in heaven will be quite different because we will be quite different. We must leave these things of the kingdom to the love of God. Can you trust God is basically what he is saying to the Sadducees. But then he goes a step further and he quotes Exodus three, one through six, the story of the burning bush, very familiar to all of us. <coughs> Moses, or Charlton Heston, whichever one you'd like. <laughs> Hears God say, "I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob." Not I was the God of these three guys, but they did not. And Jesus says, he cannot be the God of the dead. Therefore, these three must be alive. Former presiding Bishop Browning wrote in Day by Day the following. The husband and wife who have died are alive to a reality we cannot grasp, a reality in which the boundaries of possession and narrowness which confines us do not exist do we know precisely but it will be like no you know why nobody's come back to tell us nobody's come back to tell us well this is the way it is in heaven is there marriage in heaven Jesus says no do we need to be concerned about that Jesus says no but the question I believe is is there heaven in marriage Intimacy in marriage approximates our intimacy with God. In a marriage rite and ceremony, sometimes you will see the priest take his or her <laughs> stole and wrap it around the hands of a person. That's where tying the knot comes from. Mm-hmm. You know what that symbolizes? They're taking on the yoke of Christ. There's three persons in that marriage, not just two. Marriage is something we need to work at all the time. If you know that if you put off an hour's worth of work uh, in, in your home or your car, that you do damage, and sometimes the damage cannot be repaired, I did not know until my wife Nancy told me because of her brother living in uh, San Francisco that the Golden Gate Bridge is painted every day. They start on one side, they finish, and then they have to start again because the weather destroys what they did. And it might have been the week before, but they have to go back. So it's constantly being maintained, constantly being painted, constantly being repaired. Genuine relationships that we have require conversation, sharing, communication, and dialogue among many other things. When was the last time that we, all of us, said thank you to our spouses? When was the last time that we expressed our admiration for what they have done? Garrison Keeler, I wish he still would be on the radio in Prayer Home Companion, tells the story of Florian and Myrtle. Every Friday night for 45 years, Myrtle prepared fried fish for Florian. He counted about 2,500 servings of fried fish every Friday night. But you know what Florian did? He always had something nice to say about the fish. When was the last time we said thank you to God for all the blessings we have received? We just stopped for a minute and say thank you. When was the last time that we have voiced or shown our appreciation for everything that God has done for us? What does this reading say to us? Well, is there marriage in heaven? No. But a healthy marriage in this life can give us a glimpse of heaven. And that to me is the response that the Sadducees received from Jesus when they came to trick him. So remember, say thank you, voice your admiration, and never try to fool the man.